Hey, Merlin. Welcome back to the United States of America. Oh, hey, Dan. It's really great to be back here. <laughs> uh, I was in New Zealand for a long time. Yeah, you stayed, you stayed about a week beyond the, the conference, and you were out there with Sandy. Saw some video of the two of you. So, well, what, what, what video did you Maybe see? Maybe it was a picture. No, it was a picture for your, uh, for your uh, third uh, oh. host of uh, You Look Nice Today, and it, you were saying, Scott, we miss you. Yeah, That's what like, it was. While we were there, one of the big banks in New Zealand, I don't know if it was a, an official, I think it must have was like an official campaign thing, but on the door of all their bank records, it says, you look nice today. It's so cool. Yeah. Is that st- can you see that anywhere but Instagram? Did you see that on Instagram? I, it must have been, because I, 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 I can't remember where. I can't keep these things yeah. straight. I like the Instagram, though. You don't like that. You were sort of criticizing it and put up a little thing. It was like yeah. a screenshot yeah. of TextMate. Yeah, I was that guy. <sighs> Don't get me started. It doesn't live anywhere. You can't find it. You can't link to it. It's crazy making. It's crazy making. And it's just, it's just, just it's like a, Yeah, it's a private community for people with just iPhones. Oh, great. And like, how's it different from the Freemasons with like rich people phones? <laughs> you don't even get a little car. How messed are up you, is that? Are you a Freemason? Well, men, men of our station must greet one another. I, um, I, uh, uh, I had a really good time. I don't want to go on and on about this, but there are teachable moments here um i had a really good time there and uh sorry <laughs> side note dan does your volume slip down a lot like while you're talking on a mac does it ever do that to you no mm. cut that out jim um <clears throat> it was like probably the most amazing conference i've ever been to that's what everybody of- everybody has said that everybody who's come back has said that everybody brought their a game everybody was amazing I uh, think Marco's post, I haven't read that many people's posts about it. Um, I, always, I always mean to write posts about things that mean a lot to me, but I don't always get to it. And I really want to, though, because you know, at a time when the quality on this stuff is really, you know, at best, drifting, and where you know, it's getting costly to put these things on, it's getting costly to attend these things, uh, those folks really, it, it, you start to realize how it, it is like a party. You know, I've said before that Q&As are like a party, but conferences are like a party too. Yeah. You know, if you just show up there, well, first of all, to be honest, if you just show up there wanting to be amused, well, you, it be, there better be a lot of good planning by the moms and dads. And in this case, the moms and dads did do a lot. But, you know, a lot of people brought stuff to the party, and that really makes the difference. You know, you could have come and done your totally shake-and-bake talk on this or that, but I, I, I've been trying to figure out how to say this in a way that doesn't sound competitive because it was not – except for Tom Coates – who for some reason is always worried, even though he has the best slides in the world. You know, he's like, oh, damn that Doug Bowman. I, I'm like, Tom, <laughs> you make the best slides in the universe. What are you worried about? And he's, and he's very amusing. But everybody there, you could sense that you go, oh, I really, I want to do something memorable here just because people deserve it. You know, they're getting a good show here. And like Marco said, little stuff. My wife doesn't get this, but like, she's like, wasn't it hard for them to keep going from one speaker to another with no breaks? I was like, no. It's fantastic. It doesn't break. And like you never see – anybody who's ever been to a presentation, especially anybody who's ever done a presentation, you've had to sit through somebody doing the thing where they bring up the displays, they go detect displays, right, they right. drag the menu bar. I want to see Steve Jobs do a cold turkey from scratch keynote deck without having to do that because it seems like it should work out about 50% of the time. I'd get the right monitor. I never do. You, you never saw that. It just goes. And I don't know. It was – it was very humane. 
I guess I don't know. How to say do that. you think this is Webstock as a unique conference, or do you think this is just a typical New Zealand New Zealand style thing? That's a really good question. Uh, first of all, the people in New Zealand that I met were just amazing. It was like Canada with accents. The people were so nice and so smart, and certainly the amount of effort they put into this thing makes a difference. But and certainly the quality of the speakers that they brought in, excluding me, makes a difference. But uh, there's, you know what I have to say, just to be dead honest, if they had gotten people from the McDonald's there, and by the way, McDonald's there, I'm talking like late 70s quality McDonald's, super high quality. Look, I ate there like six times. It was unbelievable. Service, unbelievable. Like late 70s. Do you guys remember the late 70s at McDonald's? It was, it was, it was a golden time. It was glorious. Anyway, uh, everything, you know what? Everybody there tries at what they do. Not everybody, but I mean, like you go into a coffee place, it takes them freaking 25 minutes to make a cup of coffee, yeah. but it's the best coffee you've ever had. You go somewhere and like, you ever go somewhere and they make you a sandwich and you're like, this isn't really food. This is not a gestalt. There's like a series of ingredients between bread, but it's not really. Everything everybody makes there is like, oh, you tried really hard at this. And that sounds dumb, but like, it's in the air there. It really is. And Tosh and Mike, just put so such an extraordinary amount of effort into making it nice for everybody and not even in like in dumb ways like for us as we as we as we put on the flicker group returns to somebody there at one night at a, at a dinner and goes hey you got any got any bourbon back there and like a woman talks into her little walkie talk and goes is jim beam okay and like somebody showed me went and got jim beam and brought it to us like just because gruber like very casually asked and then brought us a bucket of ice. And it's like, it wasn't just they were kissing our butt. It was that they were really trying so hard to make sure everybody there had a good experience. And I, I think that's so rare. And to me, the reason I'm ranting about it in this context, it goes straight back to that talk. To me, well, it's not because of that, but it relates heavily to the thing Gruber and I talked about at South by Southwest, which, which at least in my oeuvre has become a canonical talk. You know, you got to try and you got to figure out who you want to please. And, and then you've got to, instead of trying to like do this thing that'll make everybody in the world happy, like how do you go, okay, who in this room do I really want to please? Well, the people who are here, right? Just like the people who come to your blog, you go, okay, well, how do I like, you know, get my friends to read this blog? Or like I said to you, Dan, I want to make a show that my friends would listen to. Not one that's necessarily going to like, you know, leap to the top of the charts, although that's nice. You get another how-to show. Anyway, I'm just saying, I think there's a pattern. I think it's kind of what you're doing, not to go meta, but I think it's kind of what you're doing with this stuff, the polish. Um, but everybody, it's weird how everybody like expects you to go to South by Southwest. Do you get that? Well, yeah. And, and like I was talking to Jeffrey Zeldman about this because I'm not going this year. And have I've never, gone, I've have you gone before? Never gone. I will be, I will be going next year, but not this year. And Jeffrey was talking about how, you know, for, for people who have businesses, whether it's his, you know, happy cog that saw uh, the, you know, web design place or whether it's, you know, what I'm doing, he says he thinks it's important for, for people to go to meet the other people. It's important for businesses to go to represent what they're about. And, you know, I, I definitely like every single person that I know is going everybody and, you know, every they're, they're, whenever I tell them I'm not going, they're like, oh, oh, I assumed, well, yeah, I get, when was the last time you went? I'm like, I've never went. They're like, what? Like, all of a sudden you thought, you know, like, well, you think you know somebody. Right. And the, it, it would be like meeting somebody. It would be me, like, me, oh, this is not even a good example, but it would be like meeting somebody who writes about 
Max and is famous for doing podcasts about Macs and has like an entire famous thing, a series about iPhones and like finding out that that they use like a Motorola StarTac. You go like that doesn't even make any sense. Like why why would you not be using this this thing? And yeah. I think people see in terms of human, you know, meat events, M E A T in the like, you know, Gibson sense. I think people meet space, right? <laughs> I, I think people go like, oh, well, of course you're gonna be there. This is the place that you've got to go. Sort of right. like Jeffrey said. I'd like to see some numbers on how much business people actually get out of going to that. Do you think I mean, my, do you think there are people who go there with the intent of marketing their business specifically and, and <laughs> not to meet people? Not to just have fun, hang out and learn? Uh yeah. So I've never been. Never I, gone I, I, to South, oh no, of course you haven't gone. Well never I, been to South all, by Southwest. Again, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the the it, it's always been it's always been a challenge because of things that have been going on in my life for whatever reason over the last few years that I would have been able to go that I haven't been able to go before that. I just never would have been able to, to go without burning up vacation, which maybe arguably you're saying people would say I should have done, but I've always had one thing or another that's sort of blockaded it. And over the last few years when I could have gone, the timing was just really bad for me. I'm with you. I mean, uh, so much so that it became, I could read my FAQs, there's which you probably shouldn't, but there's um, you know, one of them is will you be at you know South by Southwest this thing this event this meetup this is and it's like no probably not it's like I like Burning Man really like why would I go to Burning Man I'm 44 and I like to go to the bathroom like <laughs> God like making out with some like sweaty Java programmer who has clown makeup on is like not my idea of fun and like I'd rather watch <laughs> Law and Order and poop in my own house you know uh, and, that's weird that's that's true though. Well, you know what it is? I think I don't have as much bioavailable fun. You know, I, I had a different, at a different time, I was like, hey, there's that great line on the Steve Martin record where he's like, you know, you're getting old when you go out with the girl and she goes, let's go camping. You know, and you hear the, sorry, we're closed now. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I feel, to quote Steve Martin. But um, I, you know what it is? I, I, I really, I'm, I am, whether I like it or not, kind of a contrarian by nature. And I would be so like, well, why, why would you assume I'm going to do anything? Like, you know, and then I finally did go. And in fact, to the point where every year when everybody would be like, oh, check out this new thing for you can see where I am right now in this really creepy way. I, every year I'd put up the same <laughs> flat GIF that was like an outline of my house with a, like, a, here's where I am with a picture of me sitting in it, you know. Um, but yeah, I finally went, I think, I think I went to do that talk or was that the second year i went i think i've been twice maybe once are you going this year no no sandy's not going oh let's see that should be be going he might might be going but i know we had to turn down a thing because we were all like "Eh, eh." i use sandy as my barometer if he's going to something and i'm not going i feel like i'm missing out if he is going i mean if he if he's not going then i feel like i don't have to go well you know he's very busy yeah but that's the thing he knows how to prioritize what's important what makes you think that? He's my idol. Yeah, I get that. He's a good man. Um, but you know, this is not exclusively a problem of South by Southwest. And once again, to bring it up, the compulsory each time per episode, that Veen interview on uh, the conversation, which people should listen to with the three of us. Uh, he was talking about the time, at the time he was talking about Event Apart. And I mentioned how it feels like so many talks or uh, conferences you go to, it really feels like. You, know, you go somewhere and you go, oh, I'm going to go to this talk about APIs. This is going to be really cool. Somebody goes, well, the important thing about APIs is this is really about my 
my startup that you don't care about? And it like turns into this thing where you're like, oh no, you got me. Like I thought this was going to be interesting, but it's really about your startup. Like that happens a lot. It happens a lot of e-tech where you go like, oh my God, this is just some guy from the Indian subcontinent in a blue shirt talking about the enterprise. Like how did this happen? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I like, you know, the, the big problem with South by Southwest, apart from all the drinking, is that in my opinion is you see so many awesome, awesome, awesome people for like 25 seconds. Right. You don't and have any, any real time to sit down and talk with somebody, catch up with a friend, because it's all loud uh, parties and shouting. Or well, you have I, to I sequester go, yourself away from that, right? That's, yeah, the Michael Lopp method I have picked up by basically hanging out with Michael Lopp, which is you go and you camp out in this one bar in a corner and like you don't go to the dig party where you get a free watered down drink after waiting in line for four hours. Like, what are you, what are you, six? You know, go, go pay for your own drinks. That's, don't go to the parties. Oh my God, there's my South by Southwest tip. Um, I mean, you could, but like they're all going to be packed and they're going to be full of people who want free stuff. And like, that's, that's not my target audience. Uh, yeah, the parties, but really, the, uh, you're right. You could go and, like, in my case, like, I, I made Jonathan Colton hang out with me. Like, uh, you know, well, we just like hanging out because, like, I don't know, we're both kind of weird and in kind of a similar way. And, and last time I went, I hung out with him as much as he'd let me. And that's fun. It's nice to have a buddy. Um, because otherwise, it can be weirdly lonely to just kind of wander around and, and see people. And in my case, what I'm going to do, I'm going to overcommit and go, oh, yeah, like, let's go do a thing. And, commit to 25 people to like doing that f- kind of lame follow-up where you go, yeah, let's uh, fax each other and have a lunch or whatever. Anyway, I don't know. I'm not sure where this is going, Dan. We're like th- 20 minutes in and we haven't really talked about anything. Well, you're just, you know, you're recovering. Mm. I, I am a mess. I had, I mean, really, it's, if you take out the fact that it's a day, you skip a day in between, it's really only like three hours from here. And yet, I, this jet lag has completely screwed me up. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. It's harder as you get older, too, I think. The kids yeah. recover and bounce back better. And once you hit, like, 35, you automatically get a cold and you're screwed up for, like, three days. It's true. It's true. Um, I had two ideas. And both of which is probably too late to do at this point. No, we'll do them um, both. We'll do them both. How's that? Well, one thing is, I think I said, I say, I think I said, because I only listened to the last episode a bunch of times, um, that I would, I would be happy to give what I would consider good, specific advice about I don't date anybody write you. Uh, you're always getting all this email I hear about from people writing you about how great you are at managing me. Did you get any email where people would like to hear more specific things, or were, did you get any feedback re previous episodes about requests? Because I would be happy to talk about some pretty specific how to implement what I consider these good ideas. No, I, I didn't get any that I remember. I mean, we've you see all the same email when they when when somebody goes to the contact page <laughs> and they pick our show, we both get, I get that same. I email. get all the same email. <laughs> well, all the email about this show, we get the same. We get to each get it. Uh huh. So you, you read it. Like I, I haven't read my, I haven't checked my email in two weeks. I read, so I, I read it, but nobody wanted more specific examples. No, I, I will read it. I will read. It. I just been away for two weeks and I haven't read. Nobody it. asked for that. Okay. All right. Well, but I you, think, you like that, right? You like no. I'm, I've moved to, to a new place. Hmm. I'm beyond that now. <sighs> I'm, I'm thinking bigger picture now. Very focused yeah. on the bigger picture. But I, if, I mean, if you have if you have selected, are you being sarcastic? No, I'm, I'm completely tell. serious. And I've I've if you have, but if you have specific examples, I would love to hear them, especially if you put time into it. I uh, I shouldn't even mention this because I 
I do. I, t- I tend not to mention projects, and except in rare cases. You should te- mention them, though. I tend not to mention projects I'm going to do until they're ready. Oh, but- that's good then. See, that's where I go wrong. I always, what? I always want to talk. I always want to talk about the the project before it's done. Like I'll announce something like this, uh, yeah. this app, this this iPhone iOS app that I'm working on. I don't know when this thing is coming out or when it's going to be done, but I talked about it like it was done and and it's not. And now I get emails. Every, <laughs> now I get emails every day. Right. You know, Dan, I want to give you ninety nine cents for this app. Where is it? And I'm like, I don't. Now I don't even know when it's coming out. And now I'm a moron for talking about it. You've incurred. You've incurred. Um expectational debt expectational debt i literally just made that up but it's awesome love that you yeah, could retitle then, your book to that oh it needs a new title for sure that's good expectational debt that's not bad uh, i agree and this is not to say i don't do that but I'm, i really try not to this is a, we're already on a different topic here but you know anytime you commit to doing something before you've uh, delivered something uh, delivered a part of it I, I think that hurts your credibility. It, it, you know, oh, yeah. it is kind of the equivalent of vaporware, and I do it all the time for sure. I've done projects I announced that I just didn't even participate in, like I'm like a total idiot. But I, I started this. I have to admit, I get really frustrated about the whole like, yeah, but tell us something specific. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, do you know how tedious it would be if I just sat around and gave you tips? Like, there are so many people who give you tips all day long. Like, why would you need me to give you tips? I'll give you the tips that I think are really good. Go and listen to that episode of Max Sparky where I talk about my workflow. It's really, really good. But I started this thing in a Carbon Fin Outliner on my phone that I'm dedicated to finishing, which is going to be literally 1,000 tips and tricks. And so far, I've got like 100. And I'm gonna, every tip and trick I can think of, I'm going to do a 43 folders post that literally has 1,000 tips in it. So, you know. I think that would be kind of tedious to do over the yeah. radio. But, yeah. But I, you know, I, one thing I just want to be clear about is, is I think there are two ways to address the that's fine for Merlin stuff. And if you don't know what that phrase means, go listen to S1E5. Yeah, that's the last time you hear me say it, too. I like when you say it. I like when you do that voice. I like it all, Dan. Don't, you know what? Can I just say, internet world, like just because I don't like something is not a judgment of you. Jesus Christ. No, I don't like Insta- Instagram. I, I think it's stupid. But like, why would you? get mad at me for not liking it and then making a big deal about it. How does that affect you? Like, I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm just saying I think it's dumb. And as for you, Dan Benjamin, shame on you. Stand by, stick with your guns. Do that voice, do it. My wife said you did a pretty good impersonation of me. I, Marla, a lot, I get, a, I, get, I get a lot of emails from people and they say, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm here, I'm stuck. Dan, I'm stuck in this job. I can't change that, you know, I, I, I get people say I like the stuff Merlin does, but how? <laughs> that's all. That's all fine for Merlin, but what about me? I'm not smart and don't try. And <laughs> I just. And so I think there's two ways. Do you to, feel that you're out of touch with the common technology worker? I think you feel like I'm out of touch. I'm asking th- if you feel that. I was going to get to whether I think you are or not. I think I'm. I think I am probably more in touch in the aggregate with what what people suffer from and how people respond to it and what happens if you change the way you deal with it. I think I'm way more in touch with that than a lot of people, for sure. I think so, too. I think- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you one reason is, like I said, you're, and my mom told me not to play in traffic. I'm telling you not to play in traffic. I know you want to play in traffic. I know you think the tips and tricks are helping. But, you know, ask what I, yourself- What I realized after that show... Uh, after I did listen to it back, which I did, is 
what you're talking about is something for people to think about and it's it's almost not possible for you to give them specifics or if even if it is possible you don't want to give them specifics because giving or maybe you maybe you shouldn't because giving them specifics is something that they then will begin to compare themselves to or try to apply in a situation that doesn't actually work and you're actually following the the buddha's own advice which right. is that everybody is going to have their own unique problems and there is no one answer but there is an approach that you can take. And if you take this pragmatic approach to things, don't the details will be will work themselves out. I think that's boy, if I am doing that, I'm really proud. I think you are. That's a wonderful that's a wonderful way to put it. That's how I think you're doing. I've tried I tried two ways to do this at least uh, at a high level though. And and what is it I'm trying to do? What I'm trying to do is is just say that God, please learn from where I've screwed up in the past personally. Like, you know, where I've done dumb stuff, I mean, I've spent so much time spinning my wheels on what turned out to be productivity porn. I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely thought, I think a lot, I just want to be super clear. I always want to say this because I don't want it to sound like I don't like 43 folders or I don't like what I've written. The truly arrogant thing is I really like what I've written. I think I'm better at it than a lot of other people. I think I have given extremely practical advice. Everywhere I go, I run into people still using a hipster PDA. The big pattern there is not index cards and bulldog clip. The big pattern, or you know, uh, binder clip. The big pattern there is like a ubiquitous capture, something that a lot of people have talked about. Right? It's nothing that specific that I'm encouraging there, but yeah, the specific implementation is the MacGuffin, if you like, is yeah, go buy a stack of index cards, and you won't have to think about this anymore. I'm trying to route around the fact that you think you're smart and and just need little iterations, which you're really smart, but what you need is to not have to let your smartness get in the way of you doing good stuff or the stuff you want to do. And it will. The voice inside of you that says, you know, I can have this one piece of bread, but I'll still be on the paleo, right? And of course, like the dude, the dude says, you know, you need to not even touch it. Like if you, you, you could have, what does he say, two weeks of gluten hanging around if you have just like one, introduce a little bit of yeah, gluten. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think the dude you mean is, uh, you mean Rob Wolf? The fun, the funny one. Yeah, yeah. 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 God, he's funny. He's good. <laughs> he's, I mean, even if you're not going to do the diet, his little introduction is just so wonderful. But that's probably not a great example. But, uh, you know, I think we, we do this weird ballet with our mind and with our will where we like to believe on the one hand that our intelligence and our industry and our ability and our value has not been recognized by, by enough people for some reason, maybe for no reason. But I think most of us tend to walk around going, gosh, I wish more people, you know, sort of whatever, knew this cool site I made or, you know, were my friend on this social network. I wish, you know, I wish things were like better. I think most of us have that on some level. I certainly have it on some level. I, I certainly, w- I was mad that I didn't get, not mad. I wish I could have met Neil, Neil Finn when I was in New Zealand. I know that's completely crazy, but I, I really wanted to. Isn't that weird? But I didn't, uh, even though apparently Crowded House was in town one night that I was there. So, you know, if I tried harder, <laughs> I probably could have. And then somebody was nice enough to send me his agent's name and email address and phone number, but I didn't follow through with it, you know. So anyway, that was stupid on my part, but I could have actually done that. This ridiculous thing I come up with, I could have done, but I didn't, right? Uh, so on the one hand, we t- I think most of us, especially the people that I'm trying to, if you like help, uh, are kind of going, I wish I had this thing I don't have, uh, but I feel I deserve. But then on the other hand, 
there is this omnipresent uh, lizard brain voice. I don't know what you want to call it, but the, the, I call it the angry dad voice. You know, everybody talks about this, whether it's, you know, Neil Fiore or, you know, you know, cognitive scientists. There is this, like, voice that is kind of telling you not to try new things, that's very cynical about what you're capable of. And I think those, at least those two voices, and probably more, are frequently at war with each other. And, and you are the civilian casualty of that war, right? That, that instead of finding the best of those two voices, you find the worst of those two voices. So to me, the best of those two voices would be, well, the voice that tells me I, I should be um, rewarded or recognized for more stuff. Well, to me, that voice should say then, okay, well, then it really is a logistical problem, right? It's not, it's not, a, it's not that you don't have the ability. It's a logistical problem of you haven't done enough specific tactical stuff to move parts around to get to where you want to be. Like, you know, obviously, you know how to do your job. Well, then if you're seeing reality correctly and you are that smart, then you just need to change some stuff logistically. Or on the other side of it, if, if you hear the voice that goes, you're stupid, you're da-da-da-da, well, hmm, well, maybe that could mean that I'm not as good as I think I am. And in that case, I also have to work really hard just at getting better at what I do. And I think those voices can be very complementary, right? But... Um, does that mean, first of all, does that make sense, Dan? There's well, it's almost like, you know, the, the silly reference from the cartoons of the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, right? That's except, thank you. <laughs> that's a perfect, that's a pretty perfect way to put it. You have, you know, and, and again, maybe it's, maybe it's a flavor of that whole fear thing, you know, that we're talking about the bullwinkle on the mountain stuff, a kind of over, overly conservative and then overly kind of cut off or overly, um, if you like reckless or careless, I don't know if that's analogous. Um, but if you can think of it in terms of one voice that's saying you are capable of more or deserve more, and there's another voice that says you're an idiot and you don't even deserve what you've got, you know, if you listen to both of those, I think it's going to sap your will and going to leave you in kind of a stuck place. Where, at least for me, and when I say this to you guys, I just want you to want to be clear. I'm, I'm talking to myself too. Sometimes I'm talking to the me of five years ago. Sometimes I'm talking to the me of 10 years ago. Sometimes I'm talking to me now. I need to be reminded of all of this stuff every day. I need to remember to write every day because you have to write every day if you're going to be a writer. And I don't do it every day and then I feel bad about it and I want inspiration too. But I eventually come back to the fact that inspiration is not what makes you write. It's writing that makes you write. And that's hard to say. It's hard to say to me and it's hard to say to other people because it sounds like it's not helpful. You know, whereas telling somebody to get a slightly nicer notebook does sound helpful. It sounds helpful. It sounds like telling – because then it encourages – those the worst of those two voices really seriously when you somebody sits there and sells you a distraction-free writing environment and says oh well okay so the reason if i listen to the first voice the reason i haven't written more i have the ability but clearly i just have lacked the tools right the logistics or the voice that says you're stupid well oh okay so the reason is really it's like i you know i i just need to i just need to have this this thing that i lack anyway i don't know if that even makes sense but my problem is it's so blindingly, not obvious, but it's so blindingly just reality that there's not a simple answer to that tension that I really feel like you feed the problem when you encourage people to believe that there is. We are somewhat rehashing the last episode, but I just want to make it clear that I, I, when I sat around and would talk about things like you know, does this belong on this getting things done list or does it belong on that getting things done list? I was trying with every fiber of my being to write something useful that had helped me, 
right? Like I, I believe that things like reducing the number of contacts you have and getting things done is helpful. You know, I believe, let's go to my list. I believe that turning off notifications and email is useful. I believe that uh, working in dashes or what some guy calls the Pomodoro technique is uh, really useful. I think agendas should be there for meetings. I think you should carry a notebook. I think you should pick smarter friends. I have a thousand of these, or I will. All those tips are useful, but I think, like I say, I think they're drop bits unless you've realized which of those voices you're listening to and on what level. Tell me if that makes sense, Dan. Well, it, it definitely does. I think it, it, it definitely is that practical take on it in a way, isn't it? Well, Breaking it down into the smaller... I would, I would like to actually address that. So, I mean, if you are... First of all, I don't know if that paradigm or that model necessarily makes sense. But, uh, you know, one, let me just recommend a book while I'm at it that I recommend it a lot uh, called The Now Habit by Neil Fiore. There are a lot of good books about procrastination. Well, not, let, me think, let me start again. There are a couple good books about procrastination. I really like The Now Habit. I really like a book by Brian Tracy called Eat That Frog, um, which sounds like a total douchebag, you know, airport book, but it's really good, very short. Um, but in both cases, with, with different angles... You know, they, they are on some level about facing, facing fear in slightly different ways. Eat that frog is a way of saying, hey, look, if you get this one thing out of the way that's a real pain in the butt to you, everything else is just a breeze. But Neil Fiore's approach, I think, is very, very approachable because he's really saying that – and, and let's, let's be honest. When we talk about procrastination, we're talking about a constellation of issues. Procrastination could be like, I'm not doing this thing I need to do today. But procrastination really could also be, I've got this recurring idea in my head that I know, what's oh, a classic? Ah, oh, gosh, I know I just need to get a few more hours plus my thesis to get my master's degree, right? I put all this money and time into it, but I still haven't officially gotten my master's. Like, how many people have you ever met that are like ABD, right? All they have to do is have a dissertation and they'll be done. Mm. But they don't do it and it drives them nuts. And, and you know, again, the, what did I call it? Expectational debt. Yeah. If you get enough of those things piled up, you know, you get like, I should have this bruise looked at by a doctor and you get, you know what I'm saying? And you get, I should really check out that clunking noise. This is where something like getting things done, I think becomes so useful because it demands, for the first time in your life, when you do a mental sweep, it's the first time in your life that you will give yourself a mental reward for having procrastinated because it's like every single one of those things that you felt bad about goes on a piece of paper and it's like weirdly liberating, right? And so if you walk around with enough of that debt, I think that could be really hard. And Fiore's book, uh, I think, is terrific at getting you to understand that creating peril and encouraging that mean dad voice is the worst thing you can do. Instead, you've got to create security. And you kind of do have to say, like I said in my talk at Webstock, that you know, nobody's going to eat you, right? You've, you have to really – he uses a wonderful example, but it's actually very Buddhist. If you tried to walk across – if you imagine like a plank, like a two-foot-wide plank mm-hmm. – like a pirate ship plank? Yar. You put that in your front yard <laughs> and you walk across that in your front yard, like that's pretty easy. But if it was, you know, 2,000 feet in the air and you walked across it, it would be a lot harder. Even though it's the same plank, the fact that you're so scared of falling is going to make you probably screw up, oddly enough, right? Anyway, like you've probably heard that example before. Well, there was, there was one time I saw a mom and, and her little kid and uh, he was walking on the edge of some little you know, like pond or something like that. And she said, she said to him, you know, very harshly, 
You know, get down from there. You're going to fall. You're going to fall. You're going to fall. You're going to fall. And he fell in. It sounds he, like, he a, was, like before a command. She, before she came, he was doing fine walking around the edge of it. And I'm not saying you, you want your six-year-old walking around the edge of some pond, but he wasn't, he was fine. He was balanced. I, two, and when she came two, by and, t- and told him that so many things, eventually he did fall in. Two days ago, I, it really, really occurred to me how much I would say to my daughter, um, be careful about foo. I, I do it so much. And it's really not about her being harmed. It's, it, yeah, it is. It's really about me, my fear, rather than her aggregate danger. It's been so hard for me to stop doing that. And I still do it all the time. She climbs on the couch and does this like, you know, gymnastics move. And I'm like, be careful. But like she's going to get hurt no matter what. Me going be careful is ultimately <laughs> just going to make the fact that when one day when I really do say be careful and I need to mean it, it's just going to be so you've like minimized the term now. Yeah, I cried wolf precisely. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I say that uh, now habit book. The guy's. It turns out the guy's a hypnotist, which I, I'm not sure if that should change my opinion of the book. He's like a hypnotherapist, but it's a really good book. Have you and ever it, d- done any hypnotherapy? Like self self hypnosis. No, or like like going going to somebody and having them do that with you. I have not, but I believe in it. I have done self hypnosis that was life transforming at one point for me. But no, have you? Have you gone to an actual dude? Yeah, I've done both uh, the self and the dude. Although the dude was a woman. Hmm. But yeah, are women, women are allowed to do hypnosis in Florida. Huh, Florida. Yeah, they got a weird regulation there. I know. But anything goes here. Are you comfortable saying what you went for? Smoking cessation. Masturbation? No. <laughs> hoarding. Hoarding? Hoarding. <laughs> and no, it was, it was uh, gosh, it was a long time ago that I went there. And I think it was for a variety. It was like a combination of things where I wanted to sleep better. And apparently yeah. they're very good at helping you. Th- oh, absolutely. You know, like, like a countdown, learn. like a countdown thing. Yeah, and yeah, all that. Yeah. Oh, and I, I was meditating. It had already been meditating at the time. Uh, and I had talked to her about that. And she's like, well, that's great. You know, you know how to relax and, and this kind of thing. She said, but th- this is very different from meditating. So don't try to do that while you're here. Like, don't try to relax yourself or focus or develop concentration or mindfulness while you're here. That's the opposite of what we're trying to do. Huh. It was interesting. I'm well, just trying to think about that. What did you do your uh, self-hypnosis for? Uh, it's, it sounds so weird. We don't have to say, you don't say. No, I'll say, I'll say, I was, I was just about to start my senior year in high school and, uh, I was, my relationship with my girlfriend was bad and it was largely bad because of me, but it it was a very, very, very negative relationship. And I, I started to realize, uh, in a way in which you have to be honest, I was kind of blaming her, but I was realizing how negative I felt about myself and how much I was carrying that around all the time. (laughs) And on a whim at the flea market, one day, I picked up I think the wagon wheel near St. Pete. I picked up uh, a <laughs> pickups for the Bay Area. I bought this self-hypnosis tape for self-esteem. <clears throat> and to this day, I can't believe this thing works. I still remember how I still remember it. Like, I listen to it every night, every night. Hello, greetings, and welcome. Welcome to a new beginning. For if ever in your life you have, I still remember it. Yeah. And I, I would listen to it and. I don't care why it worked, but it worked. Like right. my shrink, if my shrink listens to this, he's, he's just, he makes fun of me. He makes fun of you a lot, but he really makes fun of me because, you know, he's like, meditation, really? He's very practical. And <laughs> See, the, the therapist that I went to, uh, you know, 
close to 10 years ago was the one who, who suggested uh, yeah, see, that's why I love my therapist that's why I love my therapist he's, he's very very practical and he keeps me on point but uh, it worked it worked and like I, I, I was totally like uh, Aikido like I not only figured out how to not get hurt but I figured out how to not hurt her in my not getting hurt and I, it's best I could best I could but I don't know why it worked I, you know, I'll tell you one thing that's just sound, probably sounds so obvious, but when I hear people talk about imaging and, you know, 80% of sports is imagining you sunk the putt or whatever, it's like, oh, God, give me a break. But you know what? I mean, I'll be dead honest with you. I think and this goes straight to getting things done in some ways where so much of getting things done is about envisioning the outcome. Uh, you know, how will I know when I'm done with this? This is why you try to think in verbs and you say, like, form a picture of what, what will be different in the universe when this project is done. I think that's very sensible. I think also if you do imagine yourself being successful at things rather than unsuccessful at things, you're not only much more likely to be successful, more importantly, you're more likely simply to do it. If you keep going, yeah. I can't do this. If you keep telling your kid, you're going to fall in, you're going to fall in. Yeah. I, think that, I think that does have an effect. But you know, I, I, do, you think that's, do you think that's a MacGuffin? Do you think that's just a mindfulness thing that you ended up paying attention to it and therefore you couldn't help but get better at it? You know, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. You, half, half of this stuff, I think, is just different, different ways to trick yourself into doing things consciously. Mm-hmm. You know, like whether or not it really makes a difference, whether or not it's something it just that that becomes a technique that you can use to essentially change your grip. You know, it's something that just right. gives you a different way to think of something. And sometimes that's all it takes. Did you ever do biofeedback? When I was a little kid, somehow I wound up with a biofeedback monitor, which was nothing more than a toy, uh, really. It was a little white box that had two wires coming off of it, which you would put with a little piece of Velcro around your finger. Oh, my God. I think that's an E-meter, Dan. Maybe that's what I had. Yeah. What is that? E-meter is what they use in Scientology. Maybe that's, what this one, maybe that's what this was. Maybe I was having You might be a Scientologist. I may be. You know I'll have to look you into should. it. You should see a physician, but don't go to a psychiatrist because they're evil. Yeah, that's right. Or take medicine. So the um, this thing where you put in your fingers and you were it would make a little clicking sound like a Geiger counter, and yeah. if you got you know upset or angry or whatever, it, it would go louder and faster, and then you could breathe and it would slow it down. Does that count? Yeah. I think so. The one I yeah, that sounds like a similar thing. I think it's a. Um, this is before I had to you know only surround myself with other Scientologists and. Yeah. Well, they'll keep you on, on track. You know what? The funny thing is that people will think I'm serious about that. I mean, I did have that little box, but I'm, as far as I know, I'm not. How do you know if you're a Scientologist? Um, I'm going to make a joke. I can't afford to deal with those guys right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> did you read that article? Did you read that long article? About, uh, uh, about the guy, the son of... The director? Uh, yeah. The director. Yeah. Wow. Poor amazing. guy. Amazing article, though. He's very uh, upset about it. Yeah, and if you're if you're a TLDR person, um, and Hatch author- is that who, who's whose kid is that? The one from Thelma and Louise, right? Mm, no, oh, Ann Archer's Ann Archer's son. He's a big. Is she a big wasn't in Thelma and Louise. She was in the uh, the thing with uh, Harrison Ford where he was. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The uh, danger one with the uh, guy with the baseball bat. Yeah, yeah was everybody movie. was shooting everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Jack Ryan, uh, give him yeah. a hook cookie. Yeah, that was a good yeah. movie. I think I might be having a stroke right now, Dan Benjamin. <laughs> That's a good movie. That's a good like good Saturday movie. afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, clear, clear, clear and present danger. Oh, that's good. Good pacing. Good pacing. Uh, I think I also twenty minutes ago did not provide a second point about practicality, so we might want to round back to that. Uh-huh. Um, 
what are we talking about now? Scientology. Oh, so I went and I, I self-identified in college that I was like getting stressed. College was really great, but really hard for me. I was not as smart as most of the people at my college. I'm not sandbagging. It was the demands <laughs> at my college were way above my ability. The chat room says Patriot Games. Oh, Patriot Games. Thanks, nerds. Yes, that's a good movie. And there's lots of scenes of that one. Um, you know, wasn't uh, she guy. also the wife in uh, in Fatal Attraction? Oh, she totally was. You're good. Bunny's gone. Bunny. Oh, that's a scary movie. <sighs> Ooh. Uh, <laughs> it closed down for you. Oh, I. That girl in high school. She she every time we break up, she she'd ruin one of my records. Oh man. Yeah, I watched her tear up my cassette of English Settlement. I mean, that was a double album. That hurt. <laughs> Uh, I still remember the town that those skeins of brown tape being torn out with their little skinny, angry fingers. Everybody who was born in the eighties has no idea what you're talking about. Hey, hey, the clouds are gray. The star for the donkeys and the Addisons can all sleep safely. Look it up. <laughs> they also should look up what a cassette tape is. Yeah. I went to see this really nice guy, Mike Alexander. I still remember his name. He was our, like, you know, counselor dude. And, uh, and uh, he's like, oh, first of all, spoiler alert, you guys. Anybody who's planning on ever doing biofeedback, I'm about to provide a huge spoiler. So I apologize. Um, I'm going to ruin biofeedback for you by telling you how it works because it works. But it, it is a trick. You go in there, and there's like, and the one I did, yeah, it's the what do you call that? Like a galvanic skin response? Is that what it is? I think it does some kind of. I think it mainly is pulse. I think it's mainly pulse, mm. but it's monitoring something pretty. I say minor, but you know, a really basic. Was this on on your hand or arm or something? I want to say it was a finger deal. It might have been a holding in the hand thing. I think it might have been like an on my wrist thing. Anyway, it was, was pretty it simple. in that? I always, whenever I think about this, I think of the James Bond. Uh, I'm trying to remember which movie it is, but it's where they're doing. Where uh, they, he, it's like a pain tolerance thing. Oh yeah, do you remember yeah, that yeah. one? I, I, was that I barely, Roger Moore? I don't remember. Uh, I get them mixed up. I, I get them mixed up. It makes John mad. I, I get the movies mixed up. I've got you know I've got this two Criterion discs. I've got mm. I've got gold. Have you seen the actual discs? No. Uh, I've I've got uh, ISOs of those if you want. Okay, we'll talk they're after. Good. Oh, they're good. The the, the editor so good. Um. So you hold it in your hand, or it was connected to your finger. You think it's pulse. you never watch. You'll never watch the beginning of Goldfinger the same. That's all I'm saying. All right. And and as I remember, serves. I don't know if there was a uh, meter. I think it was just two lights. It was like a red light and a green light. Anyway, well, the point being that when you sit down and do it, there's this bad light on, and he goes, "Okay, just do whatever. Go ahead. Now your your goal is to make that light turn green or get the green light to turn on." And I don't remember his precise instructions, but I remember there being, it was like jury instructions. <laughs> There's very little about what to do, in, you know, in terms of like what decision I should make. But I was like, that's, he's like, that's, that's all I got to do. And he left for like 20 minutes. And of course, you know, I'm smart. That right? was the so most I'm, of you. That was your full instruction. It was very basic. It was basically like trying to make that turn green. And, uh, and you know, I guess presumably there was an, a, you know, obviously relaxation would be probably part of it, obviously. But long story short, I sat there and of course, now more than anything in the world, I mean, if you, if you, I've seen people improve their presentations hugely by introducing really obvious quiz show questions. Like even if I'm sitting there doing a Thomas the Train workbook, I want to figure out how to do the maze just because I can't not 
win. I can't not figure it out. And with this, I was like, I've got to make that light change. I've got to make that light change. And I just found myself trying different things short of like Kobayashi Maru, short of like tearing the machine apart. But what I obviously figured out was I had to calm down. And when I figured out how to calm down enough, the light changed. And so then I focused on, okay, how do I make myself calm down? You're right? Because it's a game, right? It yeah. becomes a game. How do I make myself calm down? And I started breathing. Started paying attention to breathing more slowly, thinking calm thoughts, and I did it. And he came back and he's like, "Hey, you did it. How did how it go?" And of course, the MacGuffin is—it's the thing that teaches you how to relax. That's like that's the entire thing. And he didn't tell me how to relax. I had to figure out how to relax, but I did. And then I knew how to relax. And he's like, "Okay," but the biofeedback worked. And that sounds really dumb, but like I wasn't relaxed before because I didn't know how to get relaxed. And that like really helped me figure that out. Now, I don't know how wildly different that is from meditation. I think it's actually probably weirdly similar. I think it's the same thing. Right. I mean, the neat thing about meditation, the, the thing that helped me make, make meditation less hard for me, I won't say easier, was this might have been the, uh, what's the guy's name? Bonte, Bonte G, is that his name? Yep. I forget where it was, but it was the first time everybody else talks about all the breath, focus on the breath, count breath, blah, 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 blah. But they're like, concentrate on the feeling of the breath brushing against one part of the top of your nostril. Right. And that made it so much, I won't say easier, it made it so much less hard for me because now I really could concentrate on my breath. I right, had you, had a, you had a physical focal point. That's very useful, especially when you're first starting out that you, because if, 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 and he says this in one of his books too. He says you need to have that physical anchor point, especially early on, because otherwise you'll be chasing your breath the whole time. You'll be there for 20 or 30, whatever, however long you're there, just trying to figure out what, what to pay attention to. And that's like an anchor point. It, it could be your nostril, it could be your, your chest, whatever, the, but wherever right. it's easy to find, and wherever it's easy and wherever it feels good to pay attention to, that's what you want to start with. That's a, that sounds like a really good tip. You know, and uh, also the counting breasts thing, I don't know. That was a little too left brain for me in that really? thing. In that, I think so. I mean, it worked, but mainly it taught me how bad I was at it when I realized I'd lost count. It wasn't that helpful in the focusing part. Well, how high were you, can- were you counting? Four over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the second thing was I was going to say. Because that's both of those things are things that you throw away <laughs> once you're um, – once you're in, you actually you you get when you develop that much deeper state of concentration and and mm-hmm. mindfulness. You actually being aware of your breath is something that that it, you don't have to work at it, and you can kind of throw those things away. And I'm ta- I'm not talking about from then on. I mean in in that particular sitting. Uh, well, and like sorry, come back to this again. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. Uh, how much is that like everything we're talking about, Dan? Yeah, it is. It's the same. You, you need. You know, you do, unless you got a good balance bike or whatever, you need training wheels to learn how to ride a bike. Oh, yeah. But like I said before, buying increasingly better training wheels is not making you a good bike rider. You know what I mean? You could get the most tricked out, and then you could get mad at everybody for, you know, not providing you the training wheels you wanted when they keep saying, well, you really need to take off your training wheels. You've got to just figure out how to ride a bike at some point. You don't want to be 40 and, like, buying mag training wheels, you know? And I think that's true here, you know, and, and to just finish that one point though, from a long time back, the, uh, you know, that problem of you're just going to have to figure it out yourself. You know, my, my job is not really to give you the solution. 
Your job is to get you the solution. Right. My job is to say you're looking for the wrong solution, right? And, you know, I, uh, I mean, if I... Oh, boy, I'm about to provide a huge spoiler. I'm sorry, but... Okay, here's the deal. Um, uh, Norman Bates' mother is really Norman Bates. <laughs> I, I just ruined a movie for you. Yeah. Like, it, it's not the best... It's not even the best Hitchcock movie. It's after he started doing the TV show, and he was kind of a quickie, but it's a good movie worth seeing. And I just, I just ruined it for you without giving you the experience of getting to discover that for yourself. And even though I've told you that, like you can go, the thing is you still, you can still go watch the movie cause it's, it's a pretty good movie. And even though I've spoiled the ending for you, you can still enjoy it. And you might even forget it. Like I knew that the twins in social network were not actually two actors. And I'd laughed about it with a friend of mine before I saw it. I saw it and I still thought they were twins. Right. My, my only point being that, like, y- you still need to go see the movie. You know, uh, because I told you that, that doesn't change the ending. <laughs> you still need to go see the movie if, if you want to get to understanding what that just meant. And, and the problem is, this, goes, this is why I'm constantly coming back to the Dreyfus model stuff, is if, is. Richard, somebody, Dr- Richard Dreyfus? The Richard. <laughs> now, that's. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to need a bigger boat. Uh, God, Robert Shaw. <laughs> uh, the point here is, I, you know, I, I wish it were my job to hand you some envelope with the answer to life in it. But I, I think my job is, first of all, to say that nobody's going to hand you that envelope, but also to say that if, if what I'm saying is getting you frustrated and mad, it's working. If it's just getting you annoyed that I keep talking about it and you don't need it anymore, well then that's okay too. I, I've got other stuff where I can help you hone your game. But it's going to be hard for you to hone your game. The, the Richard Dreyfus model of skill acquisition. <laughs> it really is a way, and I really just, even just go read that chapter in Andy Hunt's book or just go read the Wikipedia entry and you'll get what I'm talking about. Uh, it, it's hard to know what you don't know for a long time. And believe me, nobody now knows that <laughs> more than me. Um, so what's, the, what's the title of the book so I can put it in, in the notes? Oh, it's the one I talk about every single episode, Pragmatic Thinking and Learning. Refactor your wetware. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay. so Andy Hunt is along with uh, Dave, mm, forget what, uh, Pragmatic Programmers. They've got this whole series. They've got these great books. They have a great book on TextMate, really cool e-books you can buy. And uh, their Pragmatic Programming book is really an important book you know, to a lot of developers, the, the, the Pragmatic Programmer. And Andy's book is wonderful, though, because it's the first book of theirs I was aware of that is about the human component of it. And it just touches on a lot of the stuff, 43 folders-esque stuff. I don't think he'd think of it that way. But it really is stuff like, you know, how to get better as a programmer and how to spend less time doing junk. Uh, it's a wonderful book. And he has a whole chapter, though, on expertise. And uh, it's where I first learned about this idea. You know, and I think part of the crux of the idea is, yeah, like I say, it's hard to learn a skill. But the really hard part is it's hard to know what you need to learn, and it's hard to know why you're good at something even once you're good. The, the example that I always use being the old butcher who knows that this roast beef is two pounds, but he can't tell you why. The reason he knows why is because he's been a butcher for 40 years, right. but he can't tell you why, right? And so it's a little bit Mr. Miyagi in some ways, right? Wax on, wax off turns out to be like blocking a punch, right? You know, if he just goes out and said practice blocking a punch, you might not be that great at it. But he actually just worked your ass off, and eventually you figured out that that was blocking a punch, right? Um, I'm trying to figure out where we should go. The show's just about up. But the, the, let me just give some what I would consider some really good practical 
hints as best I can. So if you're, if you're wanting to change your situation, if you're wanting to, uh, in, in my parlance, develop more expertise and independence, I think there are some very specific things you can do. I, th- I think the thing that you could do today, this is a very getting things done type thing. No, it is a getting things done thing. You can do a mental sweep. Why don't you sit down and just write down for 20 minutes. Don't let yourself stop. Write down everything that's on your mind right now. Everything you, you might commit to doing, everything you are committed to doing, just whatever, you know, just really in bullets. Just, just write down as much as you can. There's plenty of places to go learn what a mental sweep is. You can go Google that. But do that and really go and look at that and go, holy God, Spoiling the end of this one too. I had no idea how much stuff was on my mind, how much expectational debt my brain was carrying around. Do that. Really do that because it can be really – you might forgive yourself that you're not further along at a million things because you realize you're trying to do a million things. And then uh, I think this is a very practical tip. Really look at what you would need to do to focus on one or two of those that mean a lot to you. And in terms of practical stuff, yes, get up earlier. Uh, yes, get better at saying no to other projects. You know, at the heart of it, accept scarcity. Really accept that, you know, you understand your wallet doesn't make money. You understand that when you spend 20 bucks, you don't have that 20 bucks anymore. Really understand the time's the same way. That, that once your day is gone, you don't get another. And every time you take on a new thing, that's less time you get to spend on the one or two cool things. I know, you're, I know you're, your left brain knows that, but somewhere in your heart, you're taking all this new stuff on. So in practical terms, uh, really be honest about what you've got to dump to focus on that stuff. And then have a really sane approach to getting, to getting better at it. Again, there's all kinds of practical stuff you can do. Just go update your resume. That's a really easy one. Start keeping like a little journal of when you've done cool stuff at work. Uh, start doing stuff, like I say, like go, do, go, do, go look at Dan's screencast. Uh, the, what, what did you call that? The Vim thing? What's that called? Oh, uh, yeah. There, there's that one. There's the... What's it called? What's the name of that company? Well, I a uh, peep code. Peep code. Go watch, go watch Dan's peep code on Vim, like if you want to learn a little Vim. But whatever it is, like, I, I think the clarity part does come first. If you can't uncloud your idea of like, why things aren't the way they are, well, first get a really good – the mental sweep is great at giving you an unassailable version, an unassailable photograph of what all you've kind of had on your mind. And I think that's a terrific place to start. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I got to be honest, I think get, you could do worse than getting things done as a system just because it is so focused on the completion of stuff, right? You can make getting things done very fiddly, but if you do canonical getting things done, it is about not doing fiddly stuff. I don't know if that's practical enough. Is that, is that, is that a start for practical stuff, Dan? Do it's more? really good. Yeah. I think it's really good. And before we go, can I make a recommenda- recommendation? Yeah. Um, I just learned about this. I, I didn't just learn about this. I'd heard about this before. I think uh, – I forget where I read this. One of the blogs I read, I want to say Brooks Review. I forget which. Mentioned this. There is a fantastic ebook about OmniFocus that, that I really can recommend. It's called Creating Flow with OmniFocus. I hope I don't butcher his name. By Kurush Dini. And creating flow with OmniFocus, uh, it's okay. First of all, it's the best explanation, exegesis, how to book on OmniFocus I've ever seen. Like, it really covers why OmniFocus is made the way it is. But it's also like so good at incorporating it with the best practices of productivity and getting things done in particular. It really is about setting up a trusted system and then getting to work. Um, if you if you're one of those folks who dropped the dough on OmniFocus and now you're confused about what to do with it, please check this book out. 
it's really, really good. And I am putting a lot of this stuff personally into practice myself, how to use things like perspectives to create a, um, uh, a really – a really usable sense of what's on your plate at a given time makes it easier to do reviews. Uh, creating flow with OmniFocus, you can Google it. And uh, I think it ties to the stuff we're talking about here because the nice thing about getting things done that I didn't get at first is it, it is about the logistical, practical, day-to-day, on-your-plate stuff. But it's also about saying, you know, as David said in our interview, which I need to fix the link for, uh, when I interviewed him, he said, uh, you know, if there's something on your mind about five years from now, 10 years from now, big picture, if you're not capturing that in some way, it's still on your mind in the same way that an unreturned phone call is. And you know, I, I think in terms of all this higher level stuff, getting back to work in the larger sense, this will give you a framework for getting, getting better at, at deciding what to do about having that on your mind rather than just letting it float around. This is solid gold today. You don't mean that. I do. We we I I just wandered around for like twenty two minutes. Love it. It's the best best part of the show is when you do. I don't understand you, Dan Benjamin. I'm you as mu- I'm as much a listener as I am a co-host. I love you. Seriously, I enjoy it. I love you. I, love you. I take notes. I make mm. links. I add links to the site. I didn't eat this week. I didn't eat on here. So I'm trying to do the paleo. Are you really? Well, I was trying to do the paleo, quote unquote, but now I'm really trying to do it. Like okay. I really read the thing about like, seriously, there's a reason we're saying eat elk. We weren't just throwing that in. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. And like yeah. McDonald's doesn't count. Cause I used to be an Atkins guy and you could just, you could just sit around and eat bacon all day. Why were you but, Atkins? I lost 30 pounds, dude. Really? I can't I imagine to, you heavy. I used to weigh 194 and right now I'm 64. Yeah. Wow. It was a long time ago. I kept it off, but it worked. It really worked for me. Uh, but with this, the notion I'm getting is no, no, really, really, like it, it's not a game. It really, it really is about eating this certain way. Yeah, and that's costly. If you start buying like vegetable scrap fed eggs, oh yeah, it's very expensive. Anything pasture fed is going to be really expensive. What do, you, what do you do for like proteins? What what what? Where do you go to like buy special proteins? You don't go to you don't go to Winn Dixie, obviously. No, no, we've got the only place that we have here is uh, Whole Foods. Do you do it? Do you buy your food there? Everything. Oh God, that's expensive. Yeah, with the exception, I mean, we don't we don't do you know like all, we don't get. It's very hard here to find like pastured eggs. You can't do it. <sighs> you just can't do it. I mean, you can if you want to pay five or six bucks for a dozen eggs. Like, where's the give on that? Like, what? what where is the like? Is there just do, a do what you can? Do what you can. That's yeah. it. That's it. You do as much. And look, if you if you can't afford grass fed beef. You know, then I just don't like the taste of it. The one time it I, does taste different. It tastes like salmon. I don't like. No, it. come on. Maybe I'm drunk. <laughs> salmon. It does taste different though, because we're very much used to grain fed in this country. Right, right, and you're still getting all that. You're still getting the glutens and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean the the unhealthy um, omega three, omega six fat ratios in in grain fed beef. So you can't do it if you're gonna do it though. If if you can't afford or you can't don't have access to it, then just get the leanest cut that you can. And you're going to eliminate the bad fat from that. And that's where most of the, the stuff you don't uh, want to store. I should read it all the way through. I was totally that guy. I, you know, I bought it for the, uh, for the iBooks. And I, 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 I was that guy. I was laying in the bathtub and I kept screaming to my wife, ah, I'm a third of the way in and I still haven't found the tips and tricks. But I guess you really got to read those sections to understand it, right? Yeah. 
Rob God, Rob Wolf was on uh, was on my my morning show. Did was you he know? funny? Yeah, yeah. He's very, I, well, very I, informative. Action. Do you do a paleo paleo podcast now? We have a paleo. I don't do that. Uh, Angelo does that. He's very good. That's his show. But I thought that guy was. He's a very entertaining writer, which helps a lot. Rob Wolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very scientific. Yeah. I mean, he's like a biochemist or something. Is his background? Do you think it'll stand up over time? I think it, I think it did for a few million years. Whatever. Yeah. However, I don't know. That however that many people people I don't know how long people yeah. were around. A few hundred thousand. As long as we're going over, uh, what about versus the Paleo Blueprint? Oh, the Primal Blueprint. Uh, Mark's, Primal, Mark Mark Sisson's book. Mark is a little bit more uh, a little bit more forgiving as far as uh, as far as the way he thinks of things like dairy and things like that. He's a little bit more practical. Um, he understands the stuff. I mean, he's, but he gives you a little bit better. If, if you, if you would want to sit down and like, you want examples, you want like, well, what am I supposed to eat, dude? Rob is not going to give you that. Uh, Mark will give you that. Mark will actually say, okay, I, I realize you live in the real world and you need to go to the grocery store. Here's what you can buy. Here's what you can eat. Here's how to do it. I got, I got some PDFs. I got some PDFs. Yeah, go check it out. I'll give you some off the air. I'll give you some tips. Oh, I'll give well, you tips. Well, you got a great post. You should mention, put that in show notes. You had a great post on uh, your Hive Logic, uh, where you kind of collected a bunch of this stuff. Yeah, like starting yeah. points. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Anyway, I haven't eaten yet today. I see that's my problem is I wait too long to eat also. You know what though? Once you go paleo and your body fully adjusts to it, you you'll be able to skip meals no problem. Hmm. Without I mean you might feel you might feel hungry, but you're not going to have like the hypoglycemic uh, stuff that I had for years. Yeah, I got to do this. No more apple galettes. And we'll talk we'll talk about it. All right. Uh-huh. I'm going to button it up. Did I say that once? Is that why you sometimes say that? Did I say we How many times do we have to go over this? I, 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 you said it once and I liked it, but I also, like literally on the flight home from the trip that made me want to start this show, Yeah, go watch that phone guy, that phone guy episode where the guy talks about buttoning it up. I want to punch him. Now I like it. I'm really into it. Okay. Hey, let's button it up. All right. Let's do it. Okay. I love you. Love you too. We're coming back next week, right? Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, nerds. Bye, nerds. Uh, you think there was anything usable there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I felt like that was bad.